Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Back with another episode of Orange Fizz Radio. I'm Matt Bonaparte with Ian Unsworth. Ian, we've got a pretty exciting show ahead. First, we're going to talk about Buddy Beheim being in Seth Davis's new article about ACC Player of the Year conversation. We'll talk NIL rules. We'll get to five-star review, fictional fizz, and fizz feedback. But let's start with that ACC Syracuse basketball conversation. Seth Davis recently released an article in which he named his top three candidates for ACC Player of the Year. Buddy Beheim came third on that list, which begs the question, who else will make a jump for Syracuse? And will Buddy Beheim make that jump to ACC Player of the Year candidacy? First of all, I think Buddy Beheim is is a strong candidate in that top three. I mean, the first candidate that Seth Davis lists is Paulo Banchero, who hasn't played a game of ACC basketball yet. So Beheim is deservedly in that top three. And just to start with Buddy, I think every year we've seen him add something new to his skill set. Sophomore year, he begins to get to the mid-range a bit more. Junior year, he becomes more comfortable leading the offense, handling the ball. I think senior year, he makes an even bigger jump, whether it's distributing the ball, passing-wise, whether it's, a, I think, a step-back three was suggested somewhere on the interwebs. But whatever it is that Bayheim's adding, we know he's going to be in the gym, working with Eric Thievendorf, whoever's out there to train with. Bayheim's going to be working his butt off to add extra skills to his game. And yes, I think he's a strong candidate for ACC Player of the Year going forward. And also with uh, a non-COVID year coming up, we also, we of course know that, that Buddy had COVID last year and that couldn't have helped his play. Of course, he played incredibly well in the NCAA tournament as well as the ACC tournament an entire month of March, really. But there were times last season where, me included, and there were a lot of people talking about, is this guy uh, really should be starting? Should he be a part of this offense? Is he that guy? And he proved everybody wrong. Um, in March, and, and it was just incredible for this team. He became a sharpshooter. He became a guy that you can rely on to put up 20-plus points every night out, uh, and I think that he's definitely going to get better next year because why wouldn't he? Uh, he'll get better as a scorer. He'll get better in the zone. He'll get better, you know, just amicably in the offense. I think Buddy Beheim is absolutely going to be in that conversation when everything is said and done. But that being said... We like to talk about every year who's going to be the guy to make the jump, who's going to you know, surprise us next season around the ACC or on the Syracuse team. Do any names stick out to you, Ian? Well, unfortunately, Bones, my candidates to make the jump all left in the transfer portal. So I had to reevaluate my options coming into this week. And first and foremost, I'm going to hit you with Jesse Edwards. And everybody's got him on their radar, but... I'm expecting a big jump because first and foremost, he's out of the country right now. He's in the Netherlands training with their national team to potentially make an Olympic run. And yes, he only played nine minutes a game last season, scoring a paltry two points. But I think down the stretch, we saw him really develop into a valuable commodity, playing defense down low, just ending up in the right spots 
that that's the big key for guys of his size. I mean, he's 6'11". That plays on a basketball court alone. But once he develops that defensive skill, the shot-blocking ability, he can go a long way. I'm looking for his growth on the offensive end, though, because he would catch the ball last year and try to do a post move. It, it worked out every once in a while. I'd say like one in six or seven times. It was really a roll of the dice. So I'm looking for Jesse Edwards to develop some sort of post game, hopefully being overseas with more experienced players, they can help him along and teach him a few things. And if he gains valuable international experience, I'd expect him to really press Barama Sidibe for minutes next season. Yeah, and you mentioned Barama Sidibe, who will be coming back to Syracuse and most likely as uh, Jim Beheim does love him. Uh, he'll be most likely in that starting role come game one. But you know, we'll probably see Edwards get more minutes this season just because, what is he now, a junior? Uh, Beheim probably going to trust him more after he played pretty well in the NCAA tournament. And, yeah, he does have flaws in his play. Like you mentioned, that offensive skill set really isn't there when he gets the ball in his hand. He definitely thinks about doing a post move, but what's in his head and what actually happens are two different stratospheres. So They don't really translate. Yeah, it really doesn't. Um, so I think that Jesse Edwards definitely has that potential um, and could be that guy, but it all depends on that development, like you mentioned, overseas, and if he can really learn from guys um, who've kind of been there, done that before. I, I, the one I'm going to pick is a little bit cheating, but I, I just it's the only player I really think is going to have a breakout kind of season, and it's Benny Williams. Of course, Benny Williams is going to be a freshman next year, so it's not necessarily a step up from college play, but I think it, he is going to be a guy that surprises everybody. He's going to come in and and be a, a guy who can give you 18 and 10 a game because you know, he, he's the real deal. There are scouts who are saying that he has NBA potential. He has one-and-done potential. I think Benny Williams is going to come in and be a good Quincy Garrier substitute, hopefully, and a guy that can fill that hole and keep this team on the track that it's on to keep going to those NCAA tournaments and keep shocking the nation every time they slip in and then make some sort of run. So for me, it's Benny Williams. I think he's going to come in and shock some people. Um, but around the league, do you have anybody that uh, could shock in the ACC? Well, I think we have to start with Caleb Love, freshman guard from North Carolina, and people have kind of forgotten about him this offseason. As weird as that sounds, but there's been a lot of hullabaloo in the ACC. There's been coaching changes, this whole NIL thing, which we'll get to shortly, has thrown a lot of people's recruiting strategies up in the air. Syracuse is going through it recruiting-wise, both on the positive and negative side of things. So people are kind of forgetting about what's happening down south. And Caleb Love, I would say, is the guy that I'm expecting to have a big sophomore year because he showed flashes of extreme, like, high-level, top-five point guard in the country potential, but it was few and far between. He only shot 31.6% from the field and 20% from three. Not good numbers at all. But there were times, uh, there was one game against Duke where he dropped a 20-piece, he was cooking all game. There, there are flashes of greatness from Caleb Love, and now that some of the big, big man talent is out of the way at North Carolina, Garrison Brooks transfers, 
Uh, oh, my gosh, there's so many. Armando Baycott's coming back, but other than that, um, Walker Kessler's also in the transfer portal. Who's the last dude, Bones? Who am I missing? Um, oh, Dayron Sharp. Dayron Sharp. Sharp. There you go. There's yes. your fourth and final big man. He's also headed to the NBA. So there's a lot more space on the court, let's put it that way, for North Carolina's guards. And, uh, of course, with a new coach in there as well, Roy Williams out the door, Hubert Davis in. I would expect it to be a bit more guard-focused, like most offenses in college basketball are, are and I'd expect Caleb Love to get a bit more shine. Are, are you rocking with me on that, Bones, or do you have someone else you're thinking of? I, I agree with you, but I think to find the right guy here, you've got to go deeper into the South. And I'm going all the way down to Georgia Tech to see my guy Michael DeVoe, who's on a team, mm. the Yellow Jackets roster that... You know, you had four seniors last year that were on the floor. You had Moses Wright, Jose Alvarado, Jordan Usher, and Bubba Parham um, that were, you know, hogging the floor, along with DeVoe, who was the only junior on that roster. So with those guys out, it's kind of his team now. And he was incredible down the stretch for the Yellow Jackets. He was the ACC tournament MVP, of course. He was an all-ACC tournament player. Uh, I think that he's going to really come into his own next season after he really rode that high at the end of last year and put in the work to become a potential ACC player of the year. That's not a guy Seth Davis mentioned, but Michael DeVoe kind of not getting the respect. I really think he deserves 15 points per game last year. He shot 40% from behind the arc. He can shoot, he can drive, he can really do it all. I think that he's going to be a guy that... People don't really expect to see up there in that conversation, but definitely makes those waves. I'll give you one more, and it's a name Syracuse fans aren't going to enjoy. Reese Beekman Oof. hit the game-winning three in the ACC tournament. Boy, that was that was an absolute crusher. But he's he's got it, Bones. Yes, I, I just think he has he has that it factor potential. And Virginia's losing a lot. Trey Murphy's headed to the draft. Jay Huff exhausting his eligibility and we all know that Kihei Clark isn't much of a scoring guard at the end of the day so Virginia needs that guy that can put the ball in the bucket and I think overall once things shake out for Virginia although Beekman's stats didn't look super impressive last season he's got that it factor he is not shaken in close games in games that get tight down the stretch and we know that I think he's got he's got that ability I think to make a tremendous leap this sophomore season i'm with you on that one we gotta hit a short break but when we come back we'll be talking nil as well as bayheim's army stay with us on the score 1260 back with you on fizz radio matt bonaparte with ian unsworth on this wonderful saturday morning ian there are some new rules in college sports players are going to be allowed to make money off their image and likeness why don't you take me through that new whole ruling so it just passed on thursday came into effect for the entire ncaa name image and likeness rights an individual's right to publicity which we learn about at the old newhouse school on the campus of good old syracuse but it's going to make a big difference for athletes so they can collect a little extra change as well as that little stipend they get from their scholarship. 
Now, quoting this ESPN article, NCAA athletes are able to accept money from businesses in exchange for allowing the business to feature them in advertisements or products. So pretty much, a collegiate athlete can get sponsored, whether that's a local business, say, like a Varsity Pizza, or a Nike, an Adidas, a Gatorade, a big national brand, which, of course, those guys will be going for the top high-profile recruits and the money-making sports, but still, even maybe some... Syracuse lacrosse players, uh, a, you know, a Justin Knight maybe five or six years ago could have garnered some cash from working these local sponsorships. Also, athletes can use their own status to promote their public appearances and companies for the first time. If you're an athlete with a YouTube channel, you can now monetize your videos. I know, as strange as that sounds, everybody's making money off of YouTube ads except for college athletes because they couldn't promote themselves playing a sport. They're also able to go sign autographs, do appearances for money. That was a big issue a couple of years back with like guys like Johnny Manziel, Jadavian Clowney, and they can sell their own memorabilia. Ohio State got in a ton of trouble because their players were trading out uh, gold pants, stuff given to them by the university for tattoos. As strange as that may sound, it happened. Ohio State's coach, Jim Tressel, got fired over it. There was a whole hullabaloo. But now all of that is good and bones. We're going to get a new NCAA football game. If that's just the cherry on top of this whole Sunday. Yeah, that's definitely one of the biggest uh, things for fans. And I think players, fans, and us, the media, are very excited about this new ruling. So we thought that we'd take it a little bit further and think of some Syracuse athletes from now as well as the past who might have made use of this rule and gotten some sponsorships. Ian, why don't you give me your first one? All right, so we'll start in the current, and it's a pretty basic one. The Syracuse Post Standard, uh, it's not even a sponsorship because I'd say the Post Standard is, would, would call it something nicer. So we're going to call it the Syracuse Post Standard Scholarship for Journalism Students goes to Joe Girard, who infrequently makes his appearances in the Newhouse School. I've, I've seen him once or twice. Apparently some of my uh, classmates had a, the intro to... Uh, journalism class with Joe Girard. Apparently he was uh, paying attention half the time, also getting a, a nap every once in a while after his 6 a.m. workout. But JG3 gets the Syracuse Post Standard, uh, we'll call it the Syracuse Post Standard Scholarship. Nice, nice and uh, fancy. I'll stick with the basketball team. I'll take it a year back. Marek Dolajai, of course, we know him for his you know, great heart. He's a fan favorite and is his pizza antics. I think that if Marek was playing... This season, I think we'd a hundred percent see a varsity pizza ad with Marek's face on it. It would just—it makes too much sense. I don't think that that couldn't happen in any universe. Marek would, it, of course, take advantage of that. Bones, I have to ask you though, why pizza and not why a uh, a local dentist in the Syracuse area? I—I <laughs> I mean, you know, Marek—he's—he's got to be thinking about it, his dough and cheese and his sauce. That's—that's that's all that's on his mind. That's all he wants before and after the game. Well, he did he did make it back fair and square after losing that tooth. So we're we're all happy for him. All right, next up, we'll switch switch fields here to football. I'm giving Tommy DeVito the possibilities sponsorship because when you go to possibilities, the wait is long. And once you if you're not a Syracuse native and you come in, oh, possibilities, possibilities, great Italian food. It's it's the best you're going to have in New York, but 
you don't realize until you're, you're a Syracuse native, you, you're living there, you've been there three, four, five times, you have to wait like two or three hours to get into that place. It is a long haul, and Tommy DeVito is making us do the same. Wait two, three years before we can hopefully, big fingers crossed on this, see his, his greatness and experience what all that he has to offer. I love that comparison. I think it really works well. Waiting for your spaghetti and meatballs as well as waiting for Tommy DeVito to finally be good. I don't know if that one will ever come, though. Um, I'll stick with basketball. I'm going to go a couple years back now. Lens Crafters. Who's going to be getting the Lens Crafters sponsorship? Well, that's, of course, Pascal Chukwu. Of course, Pascal rocked the goggles on the court and off the court. Pascal's got to be getting the Lens Crafters. He's got to be getting the Lens Crafters money. Of course. How could you not? It just makes, again, too much sense. Pascal's rocking the goggles. It's one of the things he's known best for. I hope we see the goggles in the Bay in Bayheim's army this summer from Pascal. It'll be his first season with the team. I think Pascal's got to be getting the sponsorship locked up. Uh, I'm with you. That That's a great one. I think Jim Beheim could use a little money on the side. He's gone through his fair share of spectacles in his 46-year 40, career. Wow. All right. So, number three. I think we both got five bones. Is that right? Correct. Correct. All right. Number three for me is Fagans, another local Syracuse establishment. And I'm going to give Josh Black the Fagans Flip Cup Wednesday celebrity appearance. He did that ridiculous backflip off a wall and even got some recognition from Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So that is why Josh Black is your Fagan's Flip Cup Wednesday Athlete of the Week. That's a good one. I think that's a really solid one. I think that, uh, you know, with Syracuse fanfare, I think that the the folks uh, who love to stick around campus will really enjoy that one. Um I'm going to take you all the way back to the 1970s now. Still sticking with basketball. I know I can't really get off of it. I just think there's too much gold there. I'm going Roosevelt Bowie with this one. And if you know anything about Roosevelt Bowie, you know the guy had an crazy, insane afro. And that's why he's going to be going for Westcott Barber. He's going to be getting that sponsorship. Maybe, you know, they're not necessarily cutting off the afro, but they're, you know, they're taming it a little bit. Uh, and Roosevelt is definitely helping him out with some business. I think that'll really be a good one. I gotcha. Westcott Barber is only a five-minute walk from my uh, my house next year, so I'll be frequenting there. All right, next up, the Carhartt Dirty Work Award. I, I had a list of uh, Destiny <laughs> USA shopping, uh, shopping centers in there, and Carhartt popped up, and I thought, what better... <laughs> of a guy to give this award to than Chris Elmore. Fullback, playing left it. guard in the trenches 24-7. He's not going to get much recognition outside of Syracuse, but at the end of the day, he's the glue that held the offensive line together last season, if, if you can call it that. So Chris Elmore, back for one more year in Syracuse Orange, gets the Carhartt Dirty Work Award. I'll join you in football on this one. I've got Sean Tucker, so we stick with the offense. Any local bowling alley can have Sean Tucker come in and be like, I'm a bowling ball, so why don't you why don't you throw a bowling ball? I don't know, I'm not an advertising major. Uh, they'll figure it out. But Sean Tucker, any bowling alley, I think they would mesh very well and you'd get customers. Last but not least for me, this is not a current player. I know all of mine have been current players, so we'll we'll run it back a couple of years. 
CJ Fair gets sponsored by the York. The York is my favorite restaurant in Syracuse, and it's it offers you a bit of everything. And that's what CJ Fair did in his time at Syracuse. He started out as you know, young gangly forward, growing into it. By the end of his career, he was defined. He could play in all areas of the court. He could give you the mid-range face-up game. He could take you to the basket and detonate on Otto Porter. He could shoot a corner three. He was the complete basketball player. And although, unfortunately, he didn't have much of an NBA career, he's not up there with the, the possibilities of the world, maybe the exo tacos of the world. But <laughs> C.J. Fair... For people like you and I, Bones, who both grew up watching the Syracuse basketball teams of the early 2010s, I think C.J. Fair both holds a special place in both of our hearts. Absolutely. I, I mean, I've been a big C.J. Fair guy since he stepped on campus, uh, and I couldn't agree more that he is an absolute king. Uh, my final one, and then we'll move on to a little Bayheim's Army talk, and we'll stick with C.J. Fair over there in, uh, you know, the TBT. Uh, my final one is Burama Sidibe, and if you think about Burama Sidibe, what is his main characteristic? That he's generally large. So he'll be going over to Men's Warehouse and, and sporting their big and tall clothing uh, and get customers. Probably Pascal Chuku will probably hop right in there and get some from his buddy Burama. Um, but that's what I've got. Let's go back to CJ Fair and Bayheim's Army. Of course, Bayheim's Army is playing the TBT once again this summer. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking to put together a team that can kind of get them over the hump. They haven't really been close to the championship in any of the seasons they've played. I recently did an interview with Kevin Belby, the GM of the team. So if you want to go check that out, go to orangefizz.net and do so. Ian, they've got three non-SU players on the team this year. Kiefer Sykes from Green Bay. They've got Tyrese Rice, who played at Boston College. And now DeAndre Kane, who played for Iowa State as well as Marshall. He also played for Overseas Elite and got three championships in the basketball tournament prior. Who kind of sticks out to you this summer on the team? Doesn't necessarily have to be one of those non-SU guys. But who are you looking to make some sort of splash? Well, I'm starting with DeAndre Kane because last summer in that bubble style tournament which of course plays a factor it's a different environment different style but against sideline cancer the game where it's uh not syracuse but bayheim's army eventually dropped out in the round of 16 uh, quarterfinals it was syracuse just got out toughed at times i hate to say that but bayheim's army just didn't have the juice to shut down sideline cancer offensively and I think DeAndre Kane brings that. It's that extra grit, that extra toughness, that championship experience. And it helps when you have Joe Johnson on your team just dropping buckets left and right. But DeAndre Kane has that championship mentality. And although Bayheim's Army has made a couple runs, they haven't gotten over the hump yet, Bones, as you detailed. So I think Kane is that guy who will bring the grit. And with a lot of great scorers on the Army squad, I think that's the extra addition that's going to make a big difference. I'll make mine quick because we got to hit a short break, but I'm going to have to go with the guy we've been talking about all block. That's C.J. Fair. He's played for Bayheim's Army prior. He, as we know, was incredible at Syracuse. He's had a long career overseas. I think that he's going to come in this year, provide a little bit of youthfulness to this team, but as well as experience. 
and uh, really put it where it needs to be and get Syracuse's team, Bayheim's Army, to the championship. All right, when we come back, we'll be talking five-star review. We've got Justin Taylor's commitment, Kyle Filipowski, as well as Donovan Klingon. Where are they going to go? We don't really know as of right now. Stay on the, uh, the score 1260. Five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, five stars. Back with you on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte, as well as Ian Unsworth. It's five-star review time on Fizz Radio. We'll be talking Justin Taylor, Donovan Klingon, as well as Kyle Filipowski. Let's start off with Taylor. Of course, he committed to Syracuse back on June 26th. He's coming to SU, Ian. How big is he going to be for the class of 22? He fills in Buddy Beheim's void, which we're all expecting after this season because Beheim has that extra COVID year of eligibility left. But no matter who you, you're reading, whether it's Matthew Gutierrez, whether it's the Fizz, whether it's anybody else out there in the Syracuse stratosphere, people are expecting Buddy Beheim to make the NBA leap and be a somewhere, I would say, a round two selection, which is not terrible for a guy that came in as a in, in one of the top 300 recruits in the country. He was not nationally recognized, so a great jump. But Taylor fulfills that void. He's a knockdown three-point shooter. His shot is effortless and repeatable. And also, he brings traits that Beheim has developed. Like we talked about earlier on, Buddy Beheim's added something new to his game every single year. I think Justin Taylor's offensive skill set is a bit farther along than Bayheim's already. And a four-star, as, as ESPN just released ESPN 100 yesterday, he was ranked number 99 out of 100. A four-star for Syracuse is a pretty big deal nowadays. So for SU to go down to Virginia and take this guy right out of the backyards of the Cavaliers as well as the Hokies, I think is a pretty big deal um, and I think as well that he's going to prove in incredibly effective for Syracuse, especially if Buddy Beheim does make that leap to the NBA. And if most of that roster does kind of dissipate after this season, I think that Justin Taylor will come in and, and with Kamari Lands kind of build a new foundation for SU and, and put them on the right track that they need to be going forward and hopefully bring SU back to where it was in the recruiting landscape maybe five or six years ago when they were bringing in five-star recruits left and right. So I think that this class of 22, especially if they do go out and get a couple more guys who we're going to talk about, uh, I think they're going to be pretty big. And let's start talking about those guys. You've got Kyle Filipowski and Donovan Klingon, a couple of guys who could really bolster SU's class, but not only that, but also fix the big man issue that Syracuse has had for some time now. The last one, of course, everyone likes to talk about was Rakeem Christmas, and before that, probably Fab Mello. So, without a big man that Syracuse has been able to rely on, guys are, you know, fans are looking towards the program saying, you gotta get a big man. That's the only way you're going to succeed deep into the NBA or into the NCAA tournament. Uh, does Filipowski do that? Does Klingon do that? Most likely, but here's the bigger question. Is Filipowski even considering Syracuse at this point? That's a, that's a big if. Big, big question. Because he got four crystal balls for Duke with a seven confidence rating. I don't take much stock into that. But four of them 
all in the snap of a finger after one quick official visit does not sound good. And he's been leaning Syracuse for a while. He's It's up there with Ohio State, Indiana, Boston College, but it's it's Duke and it's it's a legendary program. Just like Syracuse, you're going net for, neck for neck with these comparisons. And at the end of the day, Duke just got a new head coach. So he's not being recruited by Coach K anymore. This is John Shire's doing. And that's not a good sign for Syracuse if a, a big man that's from the Northeast, from Massachusetts, probably grew up watching Syracuse basketball, goes down south and is immediately just wooed by the new regime down in North Carolina. That's that's not a good sign. And you're absolutely right in, in talking about how John Shire recruited him and now is taking over the program. That's got to be great news for the Blue Devils, and I bet you that's huge in terms of Filipowski's recruiting. Um, to have the guy that was with you the entire journey of your high school, watching your games, kind of kind of trying to get you to go there the whole time, now is taking the reins of the program? Yeah, I mean, I think that's going to help. For Syracuse, it's a little bit of a different story. Jerry McNamara it was uh, recruiting Filipowski, and maybe that same similar situation happens in a couple years, I'm just saying. But uh, right now, like you mentioned, four crystal balls to Duke. And look at him. I mean, he just looks like a Duke guy. I, he just does. <laughs> He's 6'11", 230. Yeah, I can see that guy terrorizing the ACC for a couple of years in a Blue Devils jersey. And I think the other thing that Filipowski probably saw was how much success Matthew Hurt had in a Blue Devils uniform because he fits a very similar profile. And Marek Dolajai was probably offered up as a Syracuse comparison, but I hate to say it, the coaching staff put Marek Dolajai in some brutal spots. This year, having Absolutely. to play center for almost the whole season because they couldn't, they, they didn't trust their backups after Sadibe went out. Matthew Hurt was given free reign. They paired him with a center, without a center. He could shoot from three. He could do whatever he wanted. There were really no limitations on his game. And I think Filipowski saw that and really saw the offensive freedom he could potentially have with a greater skill set than Matthew Hurt's, let's be honest. Yeah, and let's talk about the seven-footer now. You've got Donovan Klingon right in the backyard. It's Bristol, Connecticut. I mean, it's not too far away from the SU campus. He's currently has one crystal ball prediction to go to Con Connecticut, um, which would make decent sense. It's even more of a backyard for them. But like we've been mentioning, Marek Dolajai had to play center all year to bring in a guy who's 7'1", 255, with any kind of offensive skill set. I'm talking anything. If you have one post move, you're better than any center on Syracuse's current roster. So to bring in a guy like this would be absolutely monumental for the program, but I really don't think that it's going to end up happening. What do you think? He was, he was Syracuse's one of the earliest prospects on their radar in this class. Syracuse offered him first, and that's unfortunately what feels like is keeping the orange around. And you're completely right, Bones. Klingon is an instant impact player. He would start from day one. After Sidibe leaves, the future at the center spot is, is really murky, if we're being honest. Beheim doesn't trust Edwards. He didn't this year. Frank Anselm is just kind of hidden away in the wings. John Bullshock left, didn't get any interest in the transfer portal, and came back. That That's just ridiculous within, within itself. But let's refocus here. 
Klingenwood, Klingenwood absolutely get massive minutes as a freshman. But unfortunately, Connecticut and Michigan are also offering the same sort of thing. Michigan's turning into a one-and-done school. Hunter Dickinson's going to go to the NBA after this season. Musa Diabate is more of a four. Klingenwood start at the five from day one, and UConn offers exactly the same opportunity. So at the same time, when Syracuse is promising these things, you also have to compete against Connecticut, even closer, as you said, and Michigan, who's made a great tourney run last season and had great success in Juwan Howard, who's a, a big man, one of the greatest big men in college basketball history as your coach. Like these, these are really tough things to compete against. And I think Syracuse right now, we all know they've had some you know, sort of up and down seasons, the Sweet 16 run, bringing them back to national prominence. But right now they're just running into a bit of that recruiting wall. You can't win them all, of course, but these other schools just have a bit more to offer, I guess. Yeah, and you mentioned Jawan Howard being at Michigan and being one of the best uh, college as well as, you know, he was a great NBA big for a little bit. Uh, at Syracuse, you really don't have that. The coaching staff is Jim Beheim, Adrian Autry, Jerry McNamara, and Alan Griffin. There isn't a big man there, not even a forward there. So for Alan Griffin to be the big man coach, I'm sure when when he pairs that with, with looking at, at Michigan or even UConn, he's like, eh, I don't think I'll learn as much at Syracuse. You look at that Sweet 16 run, you go, okay, maybe I'll, I'll win, but you're probably not going to learn that much or develop just on paper. Um, so I think that definitely hurts Syracuse. And there's the other thing of Syracuse's offense being extremely guard-dominant. That's one sure. more side of it. Bayheim and Gerard really drive the train. And at Michigan, they're not afraid to throw it down. Juwan Howard's going to give his big men post opportunities. Same thing in Absolutely. Connecticut where with James, James Booknight was their offense last year, but they're, they're still kind of reforming themselves under Dan Hurley. So they will do anything to score. If Kling is the number one option, they're throwing it down to him 10 to 15 times a game. That's just something that Syracuse can't really promise. Then again, Syracuse hasn't had a great post-up center in a long, long time, but I'm just not so sure that Jim Beheim or whoever's coaching the squad in 2022 are making that offensive adjustment to integrate a big man in. Well, you answered my question. I was going to ask you, if Klingon did end up coming, would they change? You don't think so? I don't really think so either. They'd probably stick to what's been working. We'll be wrapping up shop when we come back. Fictional Fizz and Fizz Feedback are waiting for you after the break. You listen to Orange Fizz Radio on this up shop on fizz radio matt bonaparte with ian unsworth we're gonna hit some fictional fizz and fizz feedback Ian, let's get going with some fictional fizz i'll give you a, a fictional betting line you tell me if you're gonna take the over or the under the first one is benny williams minutes next season of course benny williams is syracuse basketball's biggest recruit in the 2021 class he's probably gonna get minutes as a freshman i've got the line set at 25 and a half 
Well, he's definitely going to get minutes. He's the only recruit in the 2021 class, and I'm taking the over bones. We know Jim Beheim loves his starters, especially if Williams can secure a starting spot from game one. I think he'll be playing anywhere from 30 minutes a game or upward. Now, there are there is some depth. There is some depth in that wing spot, but I, I'm, I'm just thinking that Williams' talent puts him above the, the Bayheims and the Cole Sliders of the world. I think you're right. I think I'll also take the over. I think once Jim Bayheim gets warmed up to him, he'll be... Uh, it, Benny will be one of his favorite players because I think that Benny's really going to come in and make a difference for this team. All right, number two is Jesse Edwards' games started. I've got it at 12 and a half. Oof, tough. Here's the thing. Barama Sidibe is injury prone. I hate to say it, but it's true. And I, I would be very unfortunate if Barama Sidibe does go down. And because I'm an optimist, I'll take the under on this bet. But the over is going to hit immediately if Barama picks up any sort of knock. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to take the over here because I think at some point if Barama does get hurt... Uh, Jesse Edwards will take over, but I also think that Edwards will just outplay Barama at some point, and the fans and the media will just be calling for Beheim to make that switch, so Edwards will eventually get that starting role, and heading into March, I think that he'll be the starting center for the Syracuse basketball team. All right, final line, Syracuse basketball recruiting class ranking. When it's all said and done, will a 2022 recruit, recruiting class be over or under 28 and a half? in the country all right i'm going to take the under which means that's a good thing right because it's less than 28 minutes meaning it's one of the top 28 classes in the country i got that right correct sure you can take it really any way you want okay well i think syracuse is going to have one of the 28 best classes in the country when everything is said and done but they need one more player i'm not sure if it's chris Chris Bunch, maybe, Kadir Copeland. One of those guys has to be added to the recruiting class to boost Syracuse up and keep them in that top 20 range. Yeah, I absolutely think that they're going to need to add another guy, whether that is Kadir Copeland or maybe Chance Westry, another guy who has shown interest towards Syracuse and Syracuse has shown interest back. Um, another guy who also is a top 50 in that new ESPN 100. I think SU could really benefit from him, and if they are going to be top 28, uh, I think that they're going to have to add another guy. Uh, all right, let's move on to Fizz Feedback over on Twitter. If you want to be a part of Fizz Feedback voting in our polls, make sure you go over to our Twitter, at OrangeFizz. We usually post them on Wednesdays. This year, or this week, we had the first one, which was, who will have the biggest breakout year for SU basketball this upcoming season? Is it Benny Williams, Jesse Edwards, one of the transfers, or other? Ian, what do you got? Who? Benny Williams is probably the 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 choice and I that's probably a a very smart choice if you're a Syracuse fan but I'm going to go with Jesse Edwards Bones. I I said it earlier on and I, and I'm sticking with it. He's going to be the he might not be the flashiest player, he might not be the most interesting player, the one making the headlines, but he'll be the glue that holds this team together and might win them an ACC game or two. 
Yeah, I like your confidence there. I think Jesse Edwards will have a very good season next year. The majority was Benny Williams at about 60%. Edwards was about 26.5%, and then one of the transfers at 14.3%. Nobody, nobody went with others. So those three options were the only three that people thought were viable. All right, number two was, will Syracuse land either Kyle Filipowski or Donovan Klingon? Yes or no? Yes or no? Ugh, I hate to be the the downer, but I think after looking at those crystal balls and discussing it, fleshing out the issue, no is my answer. The public agrees with you. 58.7% of them say no. 41 say yes. I think no as well. I don't think either of them are going to end up coming to the hill. I just don't see it happening. I think Filipowski definitely going down to Durham and Klingon probably going anywhere, but SU probably Connecticut. As of right now, I just don't see them coming to SU trying to get that done. Um, on to our final poll. It's about Bayheim's Army. Having non-SU players on Bayheim's Army, one, doesn't matter, two, ruins the fun, or three, makes it better. Well, I might go against the, against the common view thing here, but I think it makes it better, honestly. I'm just about winning at this point. Bayheim's Army is a Syracuse-based team. There are plenty of Syracuse legends on the squad, and every single team in TBT somewhat deviates from their name at a certain point. So I'm fine with adding a couple guys. All I care about at this point, Bones, is winning, and I think the additions this year will lead Bayheim's army to that. So the most of the, the poll, 54% said it doesn't matter, 30% said it ruins the fun, and 15% say it makes it better. I think it makes it better. I mean, I'm in the, the wild major or minority in that case, but I don't understand how you could say it ruins the fun. Of course, it is Bayheim's army, so having non-SU players, I guess, defeats that point, but wouldn't you rather see the team win? Isn't it the team that you're rooting for over the players? And at the end of the day, if the majority of the players are SU players, does it really matter if three or four guys are non-SU guys? I'm... I, I'm... I'm with you, Bones. I don't really care. I know. I just, I just need a, I need a, uh, I don't know. I just needed an ear. I got, I had to, to flesh that out. I mean, it just, come on. How could you say it ruins the fun? This team is going to be good, and it's in part due to the fact that they have these three non-SU guys playing. You've got Kiefer Sykes and and Tyrese Rice, who were absolute NCAA legends in their time, as well as DeAndre Kane, who was too at Iowa State in his in his, uh, his fourth season in college basketball. Kane also has won three TBT championships. So I don't really see how you could get so upset that, that SU players aren't making up the entirety of the roster. And it's happened before. You've had Jordan Crawford, Willie Dean. Last year you had Will Raymond on the squad. I just think people need to to, to just grow up in that sense and, and be okay with non-SU guys on the roster. You know, I, that was just my final point about it. No, I'm with you, Bones. At this year... Let's just take it to the finals, take it to a championship, and bring home that million dollars. Absolutely. All right, that does it for Orange Fizz Radio this week. For Ian Unsworth, I'm Matt Bonaparte. If you want more coverage, follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz or go to our website, orangefizz.net. We'll see you next time.